Well, good morning, everyone. Please turn in your copy of God's Word to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. We are in part 3 of 3 of Daniel 2. This will be Daniel 2, verses 25 to 49, or to the end. We have talked a lot about the problem. We have talked about the prayer, the praise, and now we have the prophecy, or the dream and its meaning. We're in week four of this study in the book of Daniel, and if you have missed a previous week, I encourage you to please catch up via our YouTube channel, or my podcast, or a SoundCloud app, something like that. But today we push forward and look to end chapter 2 today. There's so much here to talk about, and I understand, I know, we could probably speak on this one section of Scripture for yet another month. So I understand there's going to be some things we miss, some things for you to discuss in your own small groups, your own friendships, your own homes. But we're going to try and push forward today. I'd like to start with a story I found of a woman named Katie. As you're turning to Daniel chapter 2, please listen. Katie was grading papers at Starbucks one day when she noticed a woman sitting next to her. The woman had apparently convinced another young woman that she could reveal the mysteries of her future by using tarot cards. She would flip over a card and tell this young woman about herself and her future. The young woman kept nodding in amazement as the older woman spoke of these mysteries. Soon, the young woman, quite impressed with this woman's ability to reveal mysteries, thanked the psychic and left. The psychic then turned to my daughter, Katie, fluttered her eyes, and said, I can tell you are a school teacher. Now, what a surprise, Katie thought. Excuse me. As she picked up her grade book and looked at the graded papers lying all over her table, the woman's eyes fluttered again. She closed her eyes as she mysteriously announced, and I bet you are married too. How observant, Katie replied, as she held up her diamond engagement ring and wedding band that had been in full view of the woman. Am I supposed to be impressed? The woman's eyes began to flutter again. She closed her eyes and mysteriously said, Your husband is a very neat person and doesn't like to have dishes piled up in the sink. (laughs) Wrong, Katie interrupted. That is not my husband. He has dishes piled up in the sink all the time. You should have seen his house before we got married. This woman's eyes began to flutter again. Oh, thinking of this mystery that she was going to reveal. She closed her eyes and mysteriously said, You are pregnant, and you're going to have a baby. Wrong, said my daughter. I am not pregnant, and we are not even trying. My daughter smiled and said, Ma'am, you have been wrong two out of the four times telling me about myself, my husband, and my future. And the two times you're right were obvious to anyone. I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but I'm not very impressed. But would you mind if I told you something about your future? If you like, I can share with you how you could know for certain that you will spend your eternal future in heaven with God Almighty. The woman looked at my daughter, frowned, and walked away. Obviously, the story was told from a father's perspective as he remembers this story his daughter had told him. But here's this thing. You see, was this mysterious woman truly a revealer of mysteries? Her guesses were good, 
but not completely accurate. You see, even Satan does have limited powers to predict the future, but the true revealer of mysteries is accurate 100% of the time. The revealer of mysteries is God Almighty, our Father in heaven, three in one, the Trinity. You see, the Father, the God, the revealer of mysteries is the one Daniel would look to. Daniel had a personal relationship with the revealer of mysteries, the God of Israel. So he was able to predict amazing things about the future of Nebuchadnezzar, his empire, the kingdom, the coming kingdoms, and the world. The most striking thing was that Daniel was 100% accurate, not just some of the time, but all of the time, and not by his power, but by God's power, not by mistake, but by his, God's divine will and plan. As we start reading today, Daniel went to Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, and said, verse 24, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret the dream for him. Now, as we talked last week, Arioch is probably greatly excited at this point. Yes, somebody knows the answer. Somebody can get the king happy again. We can all we can all be happy that our lives might not be ended. They might not have to end all these wise men's lives and tear them limb from limb, cut them in pieces and put their houses in ruin. Whew. Please remember that the king was so serious about the proper interpretation of his dream that he wanted the dream told to him first. And he made this a life or death situation. As all the wise men of Babylon were about to be torn limb from limb, cut into pieces, killed, if Daniel was not able to tell him both the dream and interpretation of the dream. Let's continue to read now in Daniel 2, verse 25 to 49. Please use your Bibles that you brought with you. The Bibles in the pews in the back of the seats there, or your Bible on your cell phone or tablet, but please keep your Bible open or a note-taking app, not texting or doing social media at this time. Verse 25 We'll be reading and stopping, reading and stopping as I discuss this. Then Arioch, again, the, the captain of the guard, commander of the king's guard, then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. Now, I can already imagine this scene. Arioch brings Daniel in front of the king and tries to take all the credit. Notice his words, I have found. He probably thought the king would be very happy for this finding. Maybe he would even receive a promotion or a reward of some type. I think his jaw is about to drop, though. His response is quite different than Daniel's, and he might be a bit surprised. Let's read on. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? The king here is probably filled with mixed emotions. On one note, he may have been greatly excited. Somebody was finally able to interpret his dream and tell him the, what it was as well. But on another note, he was probably greatly suspicious. Could it be? I mean, someone really knows the thoughts and meaning of my own mind? When nobody else in his kingdom... His empire could tell him the, the meaning in the dream. Here comes this boy from Judah to tell him. Could it be? No one else could tell me such thing. So he asked Daniel a question, I suppose. Can you tell me the dream? 
Can you really tell me the dream? Don't waste my time, boy. Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magician, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. What? Ariok is probably thinking, What? He said he knew the answer. I vouch for him. My life is on the line. I even took credit for this. His mouth is probably, probably hanging open in suspense. What is going on here, he thinks. The king's probably thinking as well, why is Arioch, my commander of the guard, my, my captain, why is he bringing this, this imposter in front of me? Well, Daniel continues, but... <laughs> You see, sometimes I, I think, I'm, I'm stopping, this isn't part of my notes, sometimes I think we stop too soon. God's trying to tell us a story, God's trying to reveal a mystery to us, or maybe we're trying to find the help we need, and we stop listening. We come to our own conclusions before the mystery is revealed, but Daniel says, but, you see, Daniel was going to reveal the mysteries But he had to first give glory to God. He says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the later days. Daniel, again, is proven to be a man of bold face and integrity. Arioch may have tried to take credit for finding the man who knew the mystery. But Daniel would not take such credit. Daniel would take this opportunity to point out that his God, our God, the one true God, is the only revealer of mysteries. He alone knows the future. Daniel would now tell the king the dream to gain the king's trust and ear before going into the interpretation. The dream was a dream from God to the king about the future. It would not only be all true, but it would also all come to be. Let's read on. Your dream and the visions of your head, King Nebuchadnezzar, as you lay in bed are these. Verse 29, to you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this, after this empire, after this day, in the coming days. And he who reveals mysteries, Daniel already made this known, God, his God, made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Daniel was able to do the impossible, what no other man on earth was able to do, reveal not just an interpretation, but the dream as well. And not because of his own wisdom, but because of of the sovereign, omniscient, all-knowing, in control, God. God revealed the mysteries to him. God is the revealer of mysteries. It was all because God was in control. And it's part of his plan that Daniel was able to interpret this dream and tell him of it as well. And you'll see that the king was greatly excited, even though this dream was not so good for his empire. I mean, we talk about his demise. But he was so amazed that this man, Daniel, powered by this God, the one true God, was able to tell him the dream and nobody else could, that he would bow before him and acknowledge the power of his God, Daniel's God. 
more on that later. Today, we're going to see that since God is the revealer of mysteries, we must give him the glory, just as Daniel did. Daniel made it clear that he could not reveal the dream, but there is a God in heaven who could, and he gave God all the glory. I believe Daniel, as he stood before the king, was still standing in awe of being in the, not in the earthly king's presence, but that the godly king chose to reveal this dream to him. That the godly king came into his presence in a way and gave him the, the dream and the meaning of such. Daniel stood before a king in awe, in amazement. But not this earthly king, the godly king. Let that be a challenge to us. We should stand amazed at the presence of God in our life. Stand in awe of the revelation he brings to you as he reveals mysteries to our life daily. After we stand in awe of God's revelation of mysteries, we must sit and ponder the meanings, though. Let's read on now as we look to Daniel's description of the meaning of this great statue and the destruction of it as well. Daniel now describes the dream. Still without taking credit for himself, he gives all glory to God. Verse 31, you saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image was mighty and of exceeding brightness and stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. This statue must have been huge. It was bright. It was beyond anything ever seen or probably imaginable before this dream to the king. It was made up of many precious metals, gold, silver, bronze, iron, and clay, Verse 32, the head of this image was a fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and sides of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, and the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Verse 36. The king at this point, his mouth is probably dropped now like Ariok's was before, except his mouth is probably dropped in great anticipation as he awaits. What is the meaning? And his mouth is dropped as he is just in awe of, how can this man know this dream to such great detail? He knows every little bit of it because his God is the revealer of mysteries. Our God is the revealer of mysteries. And he prayed, and he asked, and he waited, and God gave him the answers to their problem. And Daniel praised him for it. And now here is the interpretation in verse 37. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom. Notice that part. He has this kingdom. He has this power because God gave it to him. God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given. Whatever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. First interpretation there. The first kingdom, 
the head, the gold, is Babylon, is King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, the second and third kingdom is next described. It is Medo Persia, built of silver, in Greece, bronze. Verse 39 says, Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. And yet a third kingdom, a bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. You see, the Babylonian kingdom, King Nebuchadnezzar, was great. It was great because God gave him the power. And yet it would fall to inferior forces. Both, I believe, in power as well as in as, as Daniel and the king looked down upon the stature, inferior in the quality of the metal. But let's read on. Notice how God starts with describing King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, Babylon. It's a mighty kingdom. He is a powerful king, so powerful that he rules over not just people, but even the animals of the land and the birds of the air. But all this is only because God allowed it, and God has given him this power. God delivered his people into his hands. God allowed him to take of his possession, Judah, Israelites, great possessions from the throne room. But this kingdom still will fall because God is in control of all kings, all times, all kingdoms, and all kingdoms built by human hands will fall as a great might of God's eternal kingdom. God alone will prosper forever. His kingdom alone will prosper forever, and we can prosper with him if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Trust in him. He is the solid rock. Also, notice how little the second and third kingdom describe compared to the fourth kingdom to come. They simply have this one statement. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over the earth. You see, that statement in itself is still important as it talks about how it's inferior. But let's read on. Fourth, the fourth kingdom is Rome. Iron and clay is used to describe them. Verse 40 says, And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it. Just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay, and as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. Now, as you can easily see, there is a lot more described of this fourth kingdom. There's also a lot more prophecy around it. There's a lot more to think about of the future. We'll try and stick to some basics here. I believe this kingdom of Rome to be talking about, about both the past, the present, and how certain Roman cultural ways are still in existence today, and how also in the future it will raise back up once again before the return of Christ. You see, Rome never truly was conquered, but instead it split apart. It became so large and so hard to rule that eventually it just more or less collapsed upon itself. Yes, there were many fires, many fights, many battles, but all of these were temporary as Rome would rise back up numerous times. Rome was truly like iron, 
as it would raise up great armies and build upon its empire, smashing anyone who came into its way. Rome had appearingly conquered the world, but it would not be in control of itself. It was, as Daniel said in verse 41 and 42, a divided kingdom, partly strong and partly brittle. It was like iron mixed with clay. There were the rich, the wealthy, there were the knowledgeable, and then there was the problem of the slaves in the Roman Empire who made up almost half the population. Between the extreme wealth and then the extreme poverty, it was a kingdom partly strong and partly brittle. Despite all this, the kingdom would remain intact for many years to come. And in the later years of the empire, the invading peoples kept their customs and languages and did not blend it into the Roman culture, which helped to hurry the decline. Because just as Daniel had prophesied in verse 43, the people will be a mixture and will not remain united, as one translation states. You see, after the death of Constantine in approximately A.D. 337, the Roman Empire divided between east and west, and civil wars continued for years. Rome, of course, is what many would describe as the greatest of history's empires. It lasted by some accounts and in some form from 146 B.C. all the way to 1476 or 1476 A.D. in the west in approximately 1453 in the east. All that to say, it lasted a long time. It would start to fall and then raise back up. It would start to fall, then it would raise back up. 1,600 years later, its influence is still with us today, especially in Western civilization. But lastly, we have the divine kingdom. Verse 44, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom, that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to, to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain. And its interpretation, sure. There can be no doubt that the kingdom represented by this stone is the messianic kingdom of God and the, and the come soon to come to be eternal kingdom. The kingdom has several features. It is God's creation. It is his kingdom. Verse 44 says, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. It is indestructible, verse 44 tells us. As I said, the kingdom shall never be destroyed. And then it also will forever prosper. As God's word said, it shall break in pieces and consume all these other kingdoms. But it alone shall stand forever. You see, all other worldly kingdoms will perish. In fact, the other kingdoms will be made into like dust, chaff to blow in the wind, lost forever but God's, God's kingdom will forever prosper and never be destroyed. God alone is sovereign. God alone is in control. God alone is the revealer of mysteries. And finally, we see that it will also be a universal kingdom. It will conquer all. As in verse 35 said, And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. 
The stone, of course, represents Christ. He is the stone that crushes the kingdoms of this world because he is the one into whose hands the Father has committed all judgment. John 5, 22, God has given the Son this power to judge. The stone, which is Christ, will either crush you in the kingdoms or you will come to him and be saved, come to the rock. You will be judged. We all will be judged. Every kingdom, every nation, every person. It may not be easy to come to him, to bow before him and confess your sin, your weakness, your problems, but this is what we must do. We must submit to him as Lord and Savior and live. Do it today and live forevermore. You see, man's day, Satan's day will end. God's kingdom will rule forevermore. He will prevail. prevail. Christ will reign. Will you be with him? The revealer of mystery said that the kingdom of God would come when the fourth kingdom, the kingdom of iron and clay, would be ruling the whole earth. In the time of those kings, the kings of Rome, quote, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. This describes the kingdom of God in all its fullness that will come when Jesus returns in power and glory. Daniel implies that this rock will start small, when he says, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. The object that struck the statue was a rock, not a huge mountain, but it became a huge mountain and filled the earth. In the same way, Jesus established his kingdom in a small way during the days of the rule of the Roman emperors. And it has been growing worldwide ever since. We are part of a great network of brothers and sisters in Christ, which will continue to grow. And then one day in the future, the kingdom will fill the whole earth when Jesus reigns upon this earth as king. The kingdom of God is now Christ in us. We are the tabernacle of God. His presence is with us wherever we go. But soon, very soon, Jesus will come for us and to create and rule his physical kingdom on earth. Oh, how I desire to be in that forever prospering kingdom. How about you? You can be there with me. You see, Christianity is the miracle of a changed heart in a personal relationship with the living God, one commentator stated. Let me read that again. Christianity is the miracle of a changed heart in a personal relationship with the living God. It is a miracle that God can love such crazy, sinful people like us, but that's how much he loves us. He sent his one and only son to die for us. And Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. And he with me, Revelation 3.20. So I beg you, I plead with you. If you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. Don't ignore the knocking, but humble yourself before him and let him in. Ask Christ to come and establish his king, kingdom within you. The hope of eternal glory will then be yours. Repent and turn away from evil ways and turn to his glorious ways. Be found righteous in him, in his body broken, his blood spilt. Let's finish reading now. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering, an incense, be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery to me. 
Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him rule over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Daniel is exalted here. He alone Daniel's God is exalted here. He alone is a revealer of mysteries. God is the revealer of mysteries. The king bowed before Daniel, and although these actions were wrongful, Daniel was not the one to be worshipped. We should and can still acknowledge that the king recognized in front of his court that Daniel's God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, the revealer of mysteries. We must bow to the God who reveals mysteries ourselves, the God whose kingdom will forever prosper. But note, there is a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. The king had head knowledge, but he did not allow that knowledge to truly infiltrate and affect his heart. He never surrendered to God. He never truly recognized who God was. Sure, he was moved that day because of what he heard and saw, but I don't think he ever bowed before God as his God. And he does not truly know God personally. This will become even more evident next week and in the weeks to come. Like some professing Christians today, he knew the right words to say, but he did not bow his knee to the King of Kings. I believe there are many in our churches today with head knowledge, but not heart knowledge. They do not truly surrender to Jesus. They allow pride or fear to present them from truly surrendering themselves to Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. They continue to believe they can do all things through, not God's power, but their own power, their own wisdom, their own might, when in reality we can do nothing. We can't save ourselves, especially not live in hope and peace without Christ. God gave us his Son. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Amen? We need him. Jesus is a rock, a fortress. His kingdom will continue to grow and will be the forever kingdom, which will stand forever and never be destroyed. On Christ the solid rock we stand. We go to the rock for salvation. We go to the rock for strength. We go to the rock for guidance, for wisdom, as a refuge, as a strength. Give your life to him. Follow him. Surrender to him. Bow before him. Before we close and come to closing thoughts, I want to note that Daniel is promoted, and his friends too. Daniel does not forget his friends. God blesses Daniel and his friends. They're bold face and integrity. And I believe they were placed in these high places of authority to be missionaries in a way. Missionaries in a foreign land which was devoted to false gods. They would live for God and show God to be true to this evil nation they were surrounded by. They would guide people to the one true God. They would continue to stand for truth and show the world around them that their God alone is sovereign, in control, all-knowing, and all-powerful. And what a story we have for you next week. But as one pastor also reminded us, in the future time, the Magi would come to Jesus. It just makes you think, did these Magi come to Jesus from Babylon because of Daniel's teaching? Daniel and his friends teaching upon their lives because of how God protected them. You see, our God will have the kingdom which will never be destroyed and will prosper forever. 
Will you be there? Will you be there? As we close, here are some closing thoughts for you. One, have heart knowledge, not just head knowledge. The revealer of mysteries has come. Rejoice, bow down, worship him forever as your Lord and Savior. One day Jesus will return as a conquering king and set up his forever prospering kingdom. Christ is the stone the world rejected. He is the stone God will exalt and use to build his kingdom, one that will destroy all others, and his kingdom will come and never be destroyed. Number two, until then, surrender to the Spirit of God daily so you can wage all-out war against the evil ways of this world so that you can stand on the rock, stand true. Dr. David Jeremiah says, You may not know what the future holds, but you know who holds the future. Since the whole world is in God's hands, your world is in God's hands. We must be forever focused, not today focused, or... As my slide says here, number three, as followers of Christ, we must be eternal-minded, kingdom-minded, not just daily-minded, worldly-minded, but eternally-minded and focused on him. Look to the revealer of mysteries daily and live according to his ways. Let's close in prayer. And then I've got a song I want to remind you of. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. Lord, we thank you for you are the solid rock. Your kingdom will come and it will prevail. It will prosper forever. And through your son, Jesus, Lord, we can be part of this eternal kingdom and live forever with you. Thank you for revealing the mysteries to us. Thank you for giving us your son. Amen. Yeah.
Oh.